Hi, this is Chelsea. And I'm Parker. And we're from New York Toy Collective. And you're listening to Razzlecast. Hi, and thanks for downloading another episode. I say that at the beginning of every episode. Why do I re-say it? I could just copy and paste the last time I said it. Yeah. Um, first of all, I have to apologize. I know this episode is about a week late, and I have an excuse. I have an excuse. I have been working my balls off. Uh, I've got, uh, I don't know if you, some people know that I do freelance work uh, after my day job. So I do day job, and immediately when I come home, Sada and I will like go for a walk in Central Park for an hour, or we'll do something, some just us time, and then after that, I work until, you know, until late. And um, and I've been working until even later as of late, which means uh, I have not had any time to work on the podcast, unfortunately. So, um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. But uh, this uh, this should make up for it because we've got a great conversation for you this week. This is uh, Tina Horn. She's such an amazing person. I have so many people who have told me, you should really interview Tina. And um, finally, uh, our paths crossed. And um, and yeah, that brings me up to another subject, and that is people to interview. I'm looking for some more people. Uh, I'm always looking for people, but I'm doing another big, big rush of interviews uh, is, big rush of interviews? Is that is that a thing? I'm doing a whole another big set of interviews over the next uh, month or so. So if you or someone you know uh, would make a good interview, um, you don't have to be in New York. We could talk over Skype. So if you're in the UK, if you're in anywhere, if you're in South America, if you're in Australia, if you're in Canada, or any, it doesn't matter, Mexico, anywhere. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, go to Massacast.com and fill out the contact form there. Uh, or find me on FetLife, Massacast, and we'll talk. Uh, so Tina Horn, speaking of podcasts, she has her own podcast called Why Are People Into That? You can find that on whyarepeopleintothat.com. If you, don't, you don't have to write it down. You, know, you can find it on the website, Massacast.com. All the other info about her can be found there as well, her Twitter and everything else. So uh, we had a really great conversation. Actually, before we even started recording, we started. We were talking about superstitions and stuff, and uh, then that's when I hit record. So that's where that's where the conversation takes off. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I no, we're recording now. But are you a, a stu- superstitious person? I don't consider myself superstitious. I actually really do consider myself like equal parts Mulder and Scully. Like I am, I'm constantly like inside of me. There's constantly somebody being like, well, but you know, for thousands of years, cultures have been documented as doing all of this stuff. And, you know, but, but, but there's no logical explanation for it. Mulder. (laughs) So, you know, what, what is the, but what is the scientific explanation, you know? It also makes complete sense that people would make it up. You know, this is con- always happening inside me. I wish I had some part of me. Maybe I'm just jaded. I don't know what it is, but I wish I had some part of me where I could actually sit back and go, "Oh yeah, feng shui." You know, it's got the. <laughs> it's totally. Yeah, I feel. I feel the warmth of the room, and I feel so. Uh, so the warmth glow, and it's really I can really feel centered here. It's really. 
Unfortunately, I think everything is bullshit. And I'm, I'm almost skeptical of everything at this point. Are you an empiricist, though? Or are you like... I think I just think everyone's lying to me. I think okay. Everyone's so lying to me. So you're paranoid. No, that's their, they're out to get to me. Right. They're out okay. to get me. Would be okay. Fair. Okay. But... Uh... <laughs> well, it's also interesting. I mean, something like Feng Shui is a really good example. Or like... Or yoga. Or even uh, astrology, as we were just talking about. Um it's gotten so watered down, right? We're like, we live in a culture where like, you know, uh, things have become homogenized and also like turned into commodities. So it's like, well, Feng Shui may be an ancient, uh, you know, it may be an ancient tradition. This is, this is the Mulder side of me, right? But, uh, but now it, you know, it's been like, people are only interested in talking about it insofar as they can sell a book, <laughs> yeah. right? So, and then this is the scully part of me talking, so. Uh, welcome to the show, officially. It's so nice to be here. It actually took you uh, a little longer than normal because there were subway issues. I mean, speaking of going to hell, I swear, hell will be, like, well, like what I was just describing, what was happening to me earlier, where you're on the train... And the train's not moving, and I can be a patient person, but what I hate is, like, if if you tell me you have to wait half an hour, just stay put and wait half an hour, and then the train will move, I'm totally good. I'll, like, listen to my music, I'll read my book, I'll daydream, like, I don't give a fuck. But if I don't know yes. how long yeah. I'm going to wait, it could be... 30 seconds and i'm like i'm fucking out of here i can't i can't handle this so so yeah and also as i was tweeting um during this hellish ordeal where i mercifully did have service um at 28th street um it really is so new york to go to yoga and then be thrown into an incredibly stressful situation as a result of having gone to yoga <laughs> and then needing to turn around and get back uptown. <laughs> and you're just, you, you feel it like, like yeah. everything that's just happened is like draining out of you. Yeah. You're like, fuck. Now that uh, medical marijuana is legal here, mm. you're going to get a lot of people who are, you know, who, who, just to cover the neuroses. Oh yeah, right? yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Medical marijuana. And, and you can't, you can't smoke it. Uh, that's the law. The law is you can, sure. you can ingest it. You can use, uh, like, you can inhale it in other ways. You just can't light it on fire. And that's the, I, I, I confess, I, I haven't paid that close of attention to it. I'm actually from California, so like, you know, the land where marijuana is like milk because well, you you're know, a, you're in, you like have your cereal with with your hemp with your hemp yes no i mean yes there is actually hemp milk in california i'm sure it's here too in like chelsea right. but um uh but yeah no i mean people just it's really honestly in california i feel like marijuana is more like coffee and i guess that's also true in in places like amsterdam yeah. but it in the sense that it's a stimulant and but people aren't like, oh, my God, you smoked weed before you came over here. You must be, like, on another planet right now. Any more than if somebody showed up and they're like, oh, my God, I just had a latte, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where once it's normalized, it's not a big deal. Totally. Yeah, I, I know people who live in Seattle mm. and 
it's to- completely not a big deal at all to them, you know. To smoke weed or to drink coffee because coffee is well, big to, deal. Coffee there. again, they give coffee. They like mainline right. coffee That's in all it Seattle, is. right into the yeah. left ventricle. Oh my god! Um, One day, they, they and for them, like Starbucks is like, eh, bleh, you know. Oh yeah. I've got relatives there, and it's just like they roll their eyes at Starbucks because oh. it's too. It's not burnt enough, I think, in their in their eyes. It's, it's not burnt. Yeah. Yeah, well, fuck Starbucks. So what's, <laughs> what brought you from Northern California to New York? Well, I um, had always wanted to live in New York. That's sort of the simplest way of putting it, and really, like anything else, is sort of just a detail. Um, but um, I don't know. I'm a Jew, so it's like the motherland a little bit. Mm. And um, I don't know. Speaking of um, woo-woo things that you don't believe in, you know, when you're from like 28 to 30, you're like Saturn is back in the same place that it was when when you were born. So you're in what uh, is known among witchy types as your Saturn returns. Have you heard of your Saturn returns before? Um, that, that's when you're driving a Saturn. <laughs> it breaks down. <laughs> And you get a replacement. I, I want to stress, I don't think less of, I'm jealous of people who who can believe in this stuff. I, I'm jealous of. You so know, it's a, I'm like, it's like I was saying before, I am, um, I, I don't really believe in it per se, but I also, uh, I like don't believe the tabloids, but I also like reading them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's more fun to think that tom cruise is gay like we will definitely never know for sure if tom cruise is gay like even if somebody like catches him like on fire island with a dick in his mouth like that you know that's still whatever that could be researching a role (laughs) yes sure yes that's what i've been doing with all the dicks in my mouth all this time (laughs) researching roles but nobody wants to well no that's actually not true people do they don't the star isn't interested right you know but plenty of other people are interested in someday you'll be out there next to bat boy on Mm. the cover you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. but uh so, so Saturn, my dream. That's my hope and dream. Yeah. Saturn was was returning for you. Saturn was returning, and um, uh, you know, I'm I, I'm just I'm just that kind of guy. I'm just I'm sort of like, oh well, let's just like uh, like knock over this table and you know just start something new. Yeah, I was I was ready for a change. Yeah, that's 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 a perfect place to do it too, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's not a hard place to make friends. You know, and I've said this recently as well, like, um, as a, uh, and maybe this is now uh, narrowing us into the subject of um, your podcast, but, you know, because I'm a kinky person and because I'm a sex worker um, and because I'm queer and also because I'm a punk, I like had all these built-in communities in New York City already. So I really came here and all of these individuals and groups were like, when you hear your family, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I knew that that would be true. And I had come here to work, um, uh, like on, I had come on, on working vacations. And like I said, you know, I, I'd, I'd spent a lot of time here and I just, I just wanted to, and I do what I want. So the, I did it. But there you go. <laughs> the nice thing about, you, you mentioned all these different groups you're a part of, mm-hmm. Uh, the nice thing about New York is you can be part of different groups. Whereas mm. if you're in a small town or a smaller community, you kind of have to pick one in that, many cases. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
very rarely will, will the jock be playing Dungeons and Dragons at the same, you know, at the same time. Or be in the closet. Or, yes, it. or be, yeah. Yeah. But, and then they'll get, you know, somebody will snap a picture of him with a dick in his mouth and like, a, you know. An eight-sided die. Yeah, exactly. Thank and you. It, I was it, like, what is, I was imagining like Magic the Gathering cards in one <laughs> hand and like, anyway. You just say, no, I, I don't have a dick in my mouth. I'm LARPing. <laughs> I'm LARPing right now. This is <laughs> LARPing. No, officer. It was just an innocent LARP. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, but but the, the other thing about New York is you can be part of a community, but also let's say let's say the kink community. Mm-hmm. There are several kink communities. Totally, here. they're like their own little mini families, and they they extend into different areas. And it's it's really fascinating to me how you can be part of the scene here, mm-hmm. and you're like you can be completely part of the scene here and never go to any play parties. You can be part of the yeah. scene here and only go to play parties. You can be part of the scene here and only go to, you know, the third test meeting every Friday, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, definitely. And you have your own little group there. And it's it's really fascinating. Whereas uh, I know people who are in other communities, whether it's, you know, uh, queer or gay or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. community. And they're but they're because they're in smaller towns or smaller communities, they can't escape. They're like, ah, I'm part of my kink group. But my God, I'm the only you know, yeah, you know, whatever. The, everyone yeah. else is batshit crazy, but me, and they can't <laughs> right. choose another. You know, they can't go to the other subculture culture. Right, 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 totally, totally. So you must have known a lot of people here when you came here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I knew quite a lot of people, um, and I already had some clients, and I already had um, some. Uh, I knew other women who were working who could like hook me up with the resources yeah. and all that. So, so but, but let's move. So, how, you were living in Northern California all the way up until that point. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about like when you decided, or when you decided, when you discovered. <laughs> I decided I'm kinky today. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about like your. I was born this way. No, I no. When, when did you, like, at what points did you discover these different parts of you? Like, was the punk thing first? Was the queer thing first? Oh, thing? what a fascinating uh, question. Um, I, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if I was really going to put it in chronological order, I would say I decided to be <laughs> punk. Or no, I no, I really do identify as uh, as much. A, a punk is like any other part of my identity, um, um, which sort of, which has to do with my, um, sort of my understanding of myself and my understanding of myself in, in communities. But anyway, I could talk about that all day, but, um, but I definitely like would say that that came first. And then I, you know, I also always knew that I was queer, although I was a bit of a late bloomer to like, being involved in queer communities, Mm -hmm. um, mostly because actually like earlier in my life, I felt like I was sort of more actually exposed to gay and lesbian communities where I I felt like I was just being asked to like be like put in another box. And I was like, I don't want to be in any box, so to speak. Um, um, but, uh, so yeah, and then, um, and then kink, I guess, came after that. But you know, you know how it is. It's like you always know these things about yourself, and it's not like, 
oh, I became it as soon as I was able to talk to somebody about it, or I became it the first time that I like made a fantasy reality. But, um, uh, but yeah, in terms of sort of getting turned out in all of those things, that was sort of the chronological order. The difference between like identifying when you actually can say, oh, yes, because there's always that question, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to kink, right? Or yeah. maybe the other things too, maybe like, like, I'm not sure if I am punk. And then you experience punk and then you're like, yep, I am punk. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the same, same goes for, at least for me, for kink, whereas I had these fantasies, but I was like, ah, you know, it's just a fantasy. It's not, a, it's nothing real until you really yeah. experience it. Um, so your early experiences in kink were were they so Northern California here is a lot more spiritual in their in their oh, kink yeah. is that true or is that just oh I mean compared to you know nihilistic New Yorkers yeah probably no I mean uh I mean I I certainly know some I certainly know some far out people as I'm sure you do. Sure. Um, uh, but, um, I don't know if I necessarily, uh, came to kink in a, in a spiritual way. I actually, I mean, the truth, the truth of the matter is that I, um, to, to somewhat like take the wheel and redirect your question. Um, uh, I sort of, uh, am never know quite how to talk about the fact that I, actually really started to uh, explore in earnest the kinky part of myself when I became a professional. And when I, when I, uh, when I became a professional, I was 24 and I, uh, I wouldn't even say it was so much like, I knew I had these fantasies, but I needed an excuse to Mm -hmm. like, uh, it was more like, it's just seemed so sensible to me. So I, and I was aware that it seemed scary to other people and it didn't seem scary to me so i was like oh well i should just do it then because (laughs) i i you know i i i like i like doing things that i know scare other people like i for the sake of knowing that i'm for that sake alone you know Um, because you're scaring people I don't, it's not that I don't give a fuck about scaring people. I give a fuck about the fact that people are like, whoa, she can do scary things. Okay. Well, I said, because it sounded like for a second there, you only like it because it scares other people, but maybe sometimes you like it when it scares someone in a safe way. Right. But, or at a safe way. I just more like the idea that other people would like whistle through their teeth. Like when they find out about the things that I've done, right? you know? So it's, it's more like, um, it more like the kind of thing that would make people want to like climb, you know, Mount Everest and have people be like, Oh man, like, you know, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Everest. Yeah. Well, I've never, I've never done that, but correct me if I'm wrong. You sounded, it sounded like you were saying you've never understood or never really the, the fact that you started exploring it professionally first you haven't been totally comfortable talking about it in that way? Yeah, I haven't been because, you know, there's this, um, sometimes you get pushback from people where they're like, oh, well, you're not really such and such because well, I, you, because you started as a pro, you know, but, um, that's bullshit. Of course, clearly, you know that, but of course, but yeah, but I, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I used to think mm. that, well, she's only doing it because there's money involved. So right. she's probably, you know, 
I, I, I wanted a woman to dominate me because she wanted to dominate me, you know, right. whatever. When as in actuality, there's no, nothing that says that a woman, you can't pay a woman and, and that she wants to dominate, you know, you know. Totally. But also when I do it, so, so I've been a sex worker for eight years. Um, and, uh, and I am, so just to like lay it all out there. Um, so I've done professional BDSM, um, for eight years, uh, you know, direct service, uh, client, uh, uh, B2B. Yeah, exactly. B2B. D to DSM. Um, BDSM to BDSM. Um, but, uh, uh, and I'm also a bona fide personal when the cameras are off and there's no money being exchanged, right. like, uh, pervert. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, who I am. I always have been. Yeah. Um, but, um, when I'm doing it for the money, I'm doing it for the money. You know, I'm like doing it for the, um, like I'm also doing it for the pleasure of doing it in the same way that a, that any artist or any, uh, medical professional or really anybody doing any job at all, yeah. like who loves their job, which I do and always have like loves it, but it's like different, you know, I mean like a professional masseuse can like be really happy that they are using their skills to help you relax and be healthier. But the way that they are going to use those skills to like massage their lover yeah. or even their friend or even their mom, you know, like is, is like, is, uh, is, is different. And I just, you know, uh, lately I've been doing a lot more sex worker activism and I feel like the most, uh, my big crusade right now is to uh, really highlight the work of sex work and that that doesn't undermine the passion that you can take in it, but it's also different from your, your personal desires. And, um, and that I really think it's the responsibility of sex workers to understand that about themselves and to have those boundaries. And, and I would hope that also, sex work clients and really like the the general public when they think about this can like also understand um that people are capable of having those boundaries even when they're like harder to define you said something that really struck with me and that was you said you mentioned medical professionals and that's Mm. it's true that nobody says did you hear about Bobby did a triple bypass yesterday and people go, Oh wow. How did it go? It went great. Really? Yeah. They got paid for it. So right. it wasn't really, it wasn't his heart really, wasn't really in it. Yeah. <laughs> we were congratulating him on saving that person's life, but he was paid for it. So it's like, mm, sorry, bell, you know? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. you I couldn't have said it. I couldn't have said it better myself. You could have, but you're being nice right now. <laughs> but, no, but I, I, I appreciate that you, you obviously get it. That's a really good example. Um, well, let's talk about your um, punkness. Yeah. I'm so glad you're asking about that. What do you want to know? I don't, I've never met anyone who I self-identified as a punk. Yeah. I mean, um, well, uh, ask me ask me a like, specific question. Like, what do you want to know about, about um, me being a punk? The capital P. So if is it safe for a, a teacher to be a punk without influencing their kids to be punks in their <laughs> class? No, all punks are trying to convert young people to it's their the to their punk ways. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, what is I mean? So, punk. What is punk? Uh, I don't think punk. I think music. Sure, um, music is a, a huge part of it. I think Johnny Rotten, maybe. Uh, yeah, sure. Right? Um, 
uh, Xanthir and his magical pan flute. <laughs> um, well, okay. So listen, so punk, um, was, uh, I, I want to say I'm, I'm saying this for the first time. So let's see how, how, uh, how this goes, but I almost want to say, you know, you were just jokingly comparing it to homosexuality. What? Um, I don't what? know where you got that. You, you're just, Oh reading, my God. No, I'm reading between the lines yeah. with my punk agenda. Um, well, I almost want to say that like music is to punk as sex is to queerness really? in the sense that, that, it's a huge part of it, but also, like, even if I'm not listening to punk music, I'm still a punk. And even if I'm not, like, right at this moment having gay sex because it's, like, you know, six o'clock. And I, it's been, it's, in, I just it's, assume you're in between gay sex. I am in between gay sex, and I'm also in between, like, punk records right. at the moment, you know. But uh, But anyway, I mean, music was definitely, like, the first, the thing that, like made me like gravitate towards that identity and it's yeah it's totally records it's totally records from um 1977 and it's totally like um writing from the time like grail marcus and lester bangs like all that like critical theory about lowbrow culture that i nerd out about um but it was also you know in uh the bay area um in my salad days um uh, my first communities you know like the first uh you know punk shows were the first places where i felt um like i could be myself around a bunch of other people who were like being themselves in a way that spoke to me and mm -hmm. um and being able to collaborate artistically with other people by making bands and and also you know and and a lot of different politics are very folded up into that um anti-capitalist politics anti-consumerist politics um gender politics in terms of trying to, you know, dismantle the patriarchy mm -hmm. and riot girl and, um, you know, uh, like zines as well, uh, you know, making your own magazines and books and, um, uh, distributing them yourself instead of like waiting around for somebody to publish you or making your own music instead of waiting around for yeah. somebody to give you money to produce you, you know, and, and, uh, you know, having house shows instead of um waiting around for some capitalist venue to right. book you and tell you what to say and what to wear and mm -hmm. how to be and all that stuff. So um so yeah, I mean that um that is like where the verve has always been for me. And then as I've gotten a little older and like don't devote like every second to my of my day to like making zines and playing in bands and um uh, you know, riding bicycles around and, um, all that stuff. Um, uh, the, that ethos is still there with me and it still informs me artistically and informs me politically and informs, like I was saying about moving to New York, the kinds of people that I, that I gravitate towards. Um, and, um, uh, and yeah, you know, and it's also just sort of about, um, being, um, anti-everything, <laughs> you know, or anti-establishment, you know. Uh, is there a lot of, because I know there are so many uh, cultures that overlap with kink. Does the punk culture overlap with kink as well? Or? Oh, I, I mean, it, it certainly has. Um, I mean, it did more in, no, 
no, uh, I mean, it did in the Bay, and I'm, I, and it does here less so in the professional realm. Mm-hmm. In in the Bay, like the house that I worked at um, was almost run like. For you know, and this is this was my experience of it. I'm sure that other people who you know it's been around for 20 years, so I'm sure other people who worked there had different experiences. Um, but I'm also very close with the woman who, um, uh, who owns and has run it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And and for me, it really was a lot like a lot of the radical collectives that I was always a part of, in the sense that you know, like, yes, it was a business and we were all committed to making money. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and we wanted to like be very hospitable to our clients and, um, you know, be classy and show our clients a great time. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but it was, but the, the women always came first, you know, the women working there always came first. And, um, we had monthly meetings where we all got to voice our grievances and try to, um, and I was a manager there. So I definitely like diffused my fair share of, um, conflicts and, um, big diva personalities, which I say lovingly, um, being a diva myself. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, but also there was there was a little bit more I think in the Bay Area like a, a style thing in terms of like uh you could be you know a punk in the sense of being like having an alternative look right. like and I'm not talking like suicide girls like oh you look like a model but you happen to have tattoos like I'm talking like you know the side of your head shaved yeah. or not shaving your uh, armpits or legs or pussy. Some people call it European. Right. Exactly. I Punk mean. in U.S., European, elsewhere. You know, there's there's no accounting for taste. All You know, all cultures are different. Sure. But, but yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think that, um, and you know, you could have like pink hair or green hair. You could like wear secondhand lingerie like into session and, and you know. My experience was I was very successful and I had clients who just loved that because for them, they were like, oh, I want to, um, you know, I, uh, I want to spend some time, uh, with a professional, uh, like wild and crazy lady. I want to be dominated. I want to dominate her. I want to explore my fetish. I want to explore my fantasy. And to them, like this sort of like alternative rebel anti-establishment, um, uh, look was, was part of the appeal. I mean, I think Burning Man also has something to do with the like marketability of this. I've never myself been to Burning Man, but I think on the West coast, people are like, that's where you work at. Yeah, no. <laughs> Listen, you know, like it's so I, it's, it's so Virgo of me. To... Right. I, have, I have so many friends who've been to Burning Man, mm. and if you start talking about Burning Man, you don't stop talking about Burning Man. No, we can stop right. talking about Burning Man. Yeah. I, we can I stop before we start. Yeah, exactly. That's um, no, that's how I feel about it. Um, uh, but uh, but I'm I, I am the one thing I'll say about it is like if if people if because of burning man so many of my clients had it in their head that i by expressing myself the way that i wanted to express myself which to me is goes back to this punk identity that i was talking about if that made it um if if maybe that wasn't necessarily their thing but it was a part of the fantasy like me being myself and being like 
like this is who I am like mm-hmm. you've never met a girl like me um if if that could make it so that they like rolled with that and then realized like oh I actually like don't give a fuck that her like hairs are sticking out through her stockings like yeah. I never would have thought that I wanted that but like now that I am like having this fabulous time I realize like either I don't care or because I like this person so much I realize that I like it now or I don't really have a good reason to not like body hair or pink hair or whatever. Well, it's weird because, uh, and I'm sure it depends on the area and there's so many X factors there, but when I first met Saad, she had a mohawk Mm. and hot. A lot of her, a lot of her, (laughs) I'll agree. Sure. I'll agree with that. Yeah, sure. (laughs) A lot of her, uh, Photos on her website had both her long hair and a couple mohawk mm. photos. But when people would book, they would some people she'd show up and they're like, I can't, "You don't have you have you have a mohawk? Well, I never. Oh my you know, god, were, yeah. Like, you know, uh, because it wasn't it wasn't the tall, long hair blonde that they you know saw on the whatever. Right. But did you? Because that's the stereotype, right? The stereotype sure. of. And and so of a dominatrix, you mean? Well, I mean, I should say it's when, whenever you see a movie where they have a uh, and it's a it's a a wild comedic romp and they have a dominatrix in it, they mm. usually look a certain way, right? Definitely. And that's sort of what a lot of people, a lot of clients, with depends with their first time or something, they're kind of expecting that because that's the only mm-hmm. exposure they've had or porn, right? Right. Or, or I should say a lot of mainstream porn. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like that wasn't an issue, or maybe just because also because of the house that you were in mm-hmm. or whatever, it wasn't a huge factor against you, at least. I mean, my, because, people were, you, because you were punk, you're showing up punk. And you're- yeah. I mean, my experience was that I could always, um, that I sort of created this, um, you know, what I like to call like an amplification of my id. Mm-hmm. It was like my persona that is Tina Horn. Yeah. And, um, and I would, you know, uh, get into that persona to write my ad copy. I would get into that persona to take pictures. I much prefer writing ad copy to taking pictures. I fucking taking, taking sexy pictures is like the, like is absolutely my least favorite part of sex work. And it's really? like, Oh God, I just, I'm just not, uh, I'm just uh, well, not made I, for I, it. I for one, I mean, I know what you, I know what you feel like. If, if it's just like anytime there's a camera around at all, I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, microphones, great cameras. No, uh, video cameras, you know, digital or film, whatever, like uh, moving, moving pictures. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm to- in fact, I like come alive. Really? Yeah. Well, but you, it, you wanna, we can talk about that too. Cause you've been in some movies, right? Yeah. You want to talk about that? Sure. Um, I, ha- uh, so, so, okay. So I, I want to say I, just to not to worry you, <laughs> I've, I've read like your bio on your website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not a stalker or something like that. Oh, not, I mean, okay. I would assume that you, as a respectable host, that you would do research. I rarely research. I, when I say research, I've read it about an hour before you got here. And I listened to your podcast, too, which we'll talk about, too. But Awesome. So your, the, the, your movie career, your film career. My film career, um, such as it is. Um, no, okay, so I... Um, so I got started as a, uh, as a, as a pro switch. I was always, a uh, switch mm-hmm. professionally. That's definitely one thing that is a reflection of who I am naturally. I'm just like very, I'm like verse. You're just, Gemini. I mean, that's what I'm not, I'm a Virgo. You're a Virgo. That's still Virgo. <laughs> that's what I said. 
So I probably have a Gemini rising or something. I don't know. Anyway, no. uh, uh, I've been doing professional BDSM for a couple of years, um, and I was like, well, I would... I mean, I don't really remember what... I I just think it seemed like the next logical uh, step to, to make porn. Also, I guess really what was happening was that at the time, like 2008, um... In the Bay Area, there was an emergence of artistic, explicitly feminist, queer, kinky, independent porn being made. Um, I thought you were going to say artesian in there too artisanal Artisanal like yeah no local it was local it was local local. yeah vegan in some madison young totally vegan um but uh but yeah i mean so also it was there was um uh, there were there were jobs in it you know so it was it was also it was a way to make money and it was um and you're doing something sounds groundbreaking too yeah it was you know there definitely was um i mean if i so just to take a step back like if i had been I have worked a little bit in mainstream porn, but I, it's like if I had been living in LA and working as a, a pro dom there, would I necessarily have decided to like get into porn and like be on like digital play? Would digital playground even have had me? Like, probably not. Um, uh, they want Stoya to get a boob job, and then like they, I'm sure they like wouldn't, you know, uh, have uh, we wouldn't have jived. <laughs> but I did jive with a lot of producer directors in the Bay Area. Um, so, so going back to uh, veganism, uh, so Madison Young gave me my start, um, and um, and then. Um, and I actually had originally, because Madison Young's early movies were um, were very fetishy, um, and I think that they had like on her website Madison Bound, and I think that they 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 had hardcore sex in them, but the emphasis was more on um, puppy play or objectification or latex or leather or like uh, you know uh, femdom or service, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so. Uh, I think that at the time I kind of mostly was like, oh, I want to get into this because I'm a total exhibitionist about being spanked, like more than anything else. I'm like more than well, and I would come to learn and I'm skipping ahead, but like I'm more of an exhibitionist about being spanked than I am about sex, actually, Um, which it took me a lot of having sex on camera to figure that out. Um, But anyway, that's one way to find out. Um, So I think that originally I thought that I would get into these fetish videos, um, which was something that I was exploring a lot. And, you know, so um, I was, um, I knew a lot from books, like in a nerdy way before I uh, started doing professional BDSM, but I was learning so much of the nuance from just being game, you know? So like I, I, every day I worked, I would work two or three days a week and I would have seven clients a day and like each one would have a different fetish. And even if they all were named Steve and they all had, which happens sometimes and, or they all had like the identical, like on paper, the identical fetish, like they're all CBT, but like everybody does CBT their own way, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was learning so much and as like a 
drama queer and as a, uh, you know, sort of reporter minded, um, uh, person, I was like always just like, so like hungry and eager and fascinated. Um, and, uh, and really just, you know, when I had other ladies who, you know, I would be like, I don't know how it feels to be single-tailed, so will you single-tail me? You know, or they would have clients, they would be like, uh, you should learn what it feels like to get, like, a shower enema. You sh So, you know, my client is going to, like, pay you for a walk-on, so you, like, are going to get paid to, like, have these experiences for the first time. Or to, like, get your, like, labia pierced, you know? And so it's like, you all you have to do is, like, be an exhibitionist and get paid. And then you get to have all of these experiences. And anyway, so I was like, Oh, I'll just do them on film and get paid more. Right. <laughs> um, and so, but then, um, but then there was this, uh, Madison was starting to do more, um, uh, like for, for her, I think it was like more lesbian porn than queer porn. So she was starting to do that. So she was like, well, do you want to have sex with pretty ladies? And I was like, think about it and so, then i and so i did break, break briefly what's sure. the difference between queer porn and lesbian porn oh great question i think i know but i'm sure someone's sitting here going what well um on paper like genre wise like if you are um like browsing uh at your local feminist uh you know sex toy store to get the, which is where you should get your porn. Um, and you're, and you're choosing between them. Um, I would say that, um, that girl on girl, um, or lesbian porn is actually usually more about, um, putting on a show for a voyeur of somebody who like really, who finds women sexy and who is like, well, if one is good, two is better. Right. Um, and, uh, so, so within lesbian porn, there are totally gay women who are performers or even performers who may not identify as gay per se, or maybe bisexual, but know how to fuck a lady and like fucking ladies. And, you know, then there's the like stereotype of like, you know, I mean, I don't really think that there's anything wrong with like, if people want to see like two women gyrating against each other who don't actually know like how to get themselves off or how to get another woman off or anything like that, like that's, that's fine. That's for a voyeur. That's like visually stimulating, like no judgment, like there's room for everything, but like, um, uh, but yeah, but then there's also like lesbian porn where people are like really fucking <laughs> queer porn as a genre is much more committed to representing all kinds of genders in the sense that there's not just two mm -hmm. and that there's not just like, well, you can either have boy, girl or girl, girl or boy, boy, you know, it's like you can, ha you know, and, and girl, girls are always going to look like this and they're always going to be femme on femme, you know? So like queer porn is like uh, a multitude of genders and also a multitude of permutations of of pairings um and and definitely as a movement much more committed to body positivity so showing people with lots of different sized bodies um uh definitely committed to non-oppressive representations of people of color um definitely represented to also the kind of stuff that we were talking that i was talking about before where it's not like oh you have to sh like you can't shave your head but you have to shave your legs yeah. or you're not allowed to have pink hair or you're like you have to wear a certain kind of clothes or you have to have a certain kind of makeup like um so um so yeah um 
that that's so that's I mean queer porn like also really does like represent the queer identity in the sense of like inclusivity. It almost sounds, and I don't want to oversimplify, but it almost sounds like lesbian porn, the traditional, what you think of as lesbian porn, uh, the action that you're seeing is tailored for the viewer, Mm -hmm. whereas queer porn is tailored for the people it's filming. I absolutely agree with that. And I, and I think that I can be smart sometimes. You are very smart. You have glasses. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have any prescription. I just wear them to make people think I, and also so I don't get hit. Awesome. Oh God. That's, that's so smart. Is is that too oversimplifying it or is that more? I don't think so. I think that just like anything else, there would be variations to that. Um, but I, I, I would say that that's true in terms of, I mean, I would, oh, okay. So, uh, I'll come back to that, but, uh, to get to the point where I can tell you why I'm qualified to know what it's like to produce queer porn, um, I'll bring you to the point where I became a queer porn producer. (laughs) Um, so I, uh, so right. So I started performing, performed for Madison Young. I performed in some, um, films that were being, uh, produced by, uh, Good Vibrations, the sex positive feminist sex toy company, Mm -hmm. um, in, uh, San Francisco and in the Bay area, actually, um, crash pad, shine Louis Houston. Um, I mean, I highly recommend all of the work of all of these people. Um, and, um, and a little bit for kink.com, um, kink.com like is, uh, there's a lot of different directors and a lot of different people working there making a lot of different decisions. So like sometimes they would for like for kink, I'm like, really edgy looking. Um, so every so often I would get somebody there like on the inside who would, um, you know, I mean, they would hire me because they knew I would do a good job, but, um, I never became like a regular there. I think just partially because I'm, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not, I don't fit their like model profile enough or whatever, or maybe they didn't think I did a good job. I know I did a good job, but well, if uh, you know you did a good job. <laughs> but anyway, um, so so yeah, so I was uh working and performing and all of those things, um, and then I um, you know, I had this uh money that I had saved from uh being a pro dom, um, and I was like, I want to use this money to um like sort of, uh, create something of my own, um, uh, in, in sex work. Um, and I wasn't going to like start a rival house because I, uh, respected the woman that I worked for. So I was like, Oh, well I, I should start my own queer porn company. Um, so I talked to a friend of mine who I had, um, uh, performed for, um, a couple of times and we, uh, decided to, uh, collaborate. So we started a project called queer porn TV, um, which, so, you know, uh, so I just like got this crash course in directing and producing and we cast all of our, you know, I mean, and there was just this like proliferation of, awesome sex working exhibitionist super professional sluts um who and you know basically our vision for qptv was to for me the emphasis on sort of like almost a documentary about queer identity combined with 
performance art like that was kind of how i always saw it mm-hmm. um and uh you know so not only were people so game and amazing and like ready to um perform for us for like less than they could make um working for other people um but um and really like do lots of you know we would tell them to perform the things that they felt like they couldn't perform for other people that they worked for you know so they would either like do a sex act that they felt like they couldn't do somewhere else or like uh, dress or present in a certain way that they that they felt they couldn't do somewhere else or something that they'd like always wanted to do would be like that's what we want you to do for this um but so their we, hearts are really gonna be really into it too, they right? really were and they just did the na- like nastier things than we could have ever said like <laughs> sleazy exploitation director like okay what we really want you to do is like stick needles in this girl and then flog her and then fuck her till she cries like you know but they would we'd just be like so what do you want to do and they'd be like well i brought all these needles and and the, you know and the other girl would be like i really want somebody to make me cry yeah. and they'd be like great <laughs> well i'm just i'll just be over here with my camera that sounds amazing though that it's and is that an ongoing thing for you? Or? It is. Um, in uh, so then, so I had done it for. So we did it for a couple of years. Um, it was. Uh, uh, it started making money right away. It was really successful, really well received. We won the feminist porn award for best website within six months of launching. We were nominated for best alternative website at the AVNs, which is like the Oscars of porn. Sure. Um, and. Um, uh, and then we also, and then we put out a DVD that was like a best of the first year that also won a, um, feminist porn award for most diverse cast, wow. which actually is like, I couldn't be of all the things I've done in sex work for all of all the things that I could be honored by, uh, like being honored for a commitment to diversity is definitely, um, my, uh, the thing that I'm most proud of that being said everybody can always do more. We can always do more, but like... You set the bar. Yeah, I think so. And, and I'm sure you'd be happy if someone somehow surpassed it. Oh my God. Someone, you know, oh my God, please. Right. Surpass it. Or my try, God. Try yeah. Yeah. More, you know, please having like, like more people of color and more, um, you know, especially like trans women representing themselves and fucking the, the way they want to fuck and sort of defying, um, you know, the sort of like standard notions of, of how trans women are represented in sex work. And a- anyway, so it's sort of the opposite of what, so normally what you hear is when someone is going to go into an industry, not just porn, but they're going to go into an industry. Yeah. I'm going to take the rubber band business by storm. This mm. is how it should be done. And then yeah. they always have to, you know, they have to make changes or they have to go against the principles right, or something right, like right. that. And it sounds like, this is the opposite of that story. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it is an underdog story. Um, uh, yeah, and then the hitch in the story was just that um, my business partner and I, like, had always done everything uh, really equally and had always seen eye to eye. And then we started, like, sort of having different visions for uh, the project. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that we didn't want to work together anymore. And I was in grad school and also sort of thinking about like the other directions that I wanted to take in working in media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also had my own private direct service, um, sex work career. Mm-hmm. And so I was sort of like, cool. Like I made this and it's always, um, will always be my baby, but you, you, 
raise it now. Right. Um, Still a feather in your cap. Totally right. a feather in my cap. Right. Yes. Um, so yeah. So, but it is ongoing, and um, as I look at it from time to time, and it seems like it's still the people performing in it are still doing uh, amazing things that sort of like represent the ethos of um, what we had in mind when we started it. Good for you. I would love it for you to come back again. Uh, yeah. But before before you go, I have, I have a couple of questions of stuff that I wrote down during it. Sure. But also let's talk about your podcast. Yes, definitely. Let's talk about your podcast. And uh, I've listened to, uh, I think, th- uh, my third episode I just finished. Cool. Um, and... And it's, it's one of those things. It's still new to me. So I, when people, when I tell people about it, I, I keep saying it's why are people into that? Yeah. That's basically, it's called why are people into that? Yeah. But for some reason I keep wanting to say, how are people into it? <laughs> but I have been recommending it. Saad is way ahead of me. I told her about it earlier today and she's already let five episodes in. Or awesome. But, um, it's a great podcast. This is you. It's, it's like a deep dive in a kink. Yeah. Uh, every episode is devoted to, Either, like, there's an episode on high heels, mm-hmm. there's an episode on prostate play, there's an episode mm. on... I, I heard the um, the sex slave episode. Yes, right? with Laura Antonio. Laura, she is such a great person and oh my God. such an easy person to talk to. And every time, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, ah, I've got to hear that one first. Yes. Because I've, I've, only, I've only met her via the podcast myself. So it's really, really great to hear She's more of her. She's also so funny yeah. and so like her personal stories. I was actually very honored that she shared so many personal stories. Yeah, like yeah. I, you know, I had like done some readings with her, um, uh, cause we're both writers and, um, uh, she, you know, I just, I fell in love with how curmudgeonly she is and how like cutting straight to the point she was. And so I was sort of not expecting her to be like, sentimental but she was actually like quite sentimental she's about the really, subject of service i think she's uh she's a softy totally totally under that so cranky was, exterior <laughs> so what was what was the uh, moxie i think is the word you're looking for moxie. she's got moxie she does have moxie yeah. what uh so what was the genesis of this is this something like where you where you wanted to educate people or it was just you had your own questions what was the yeah, well, you know, um, so I've definitely in recent years, I mean, and this goes back to your original question about why did I move to New York? I definitely moved to New York to um, sort of like reset my life a little bit and like focus on um, being a uh, writer and a journalist and a media maker and an educator. And so making a podcast um, felt like the perfect intersection of all of those things. Um, I... I feel really comfortable with, with conversation and spontaneity. And so, um, and I just know a lot of really smart, loudmouth perverts. So, um, so I, so, so I had the idea, um, I don't even really remember when I had the idea of why are people into that, but I, I think it was, I guess just because I'm always sort of, m- the most interested in the why I'm more interested in the why than the how, like when it comes to sex ed, like, like when I teach, like I teach dirty talk classes and spanking classes and, um, impact play classes. And like, I will totally talk about technique, but, and I'll talk about safety and anatomy and stuff like that. But what really like 
gets my motor running is is talking about the why, talking about the sort of the historical context, the social context, the psychological context, also sort of like the like the social justice, the feminist context, the political context, like all of those things that are have always held the most fascination for me. And what's interesting though is that most of the time when people are being taught something how to flog or do whatever mm. that's rarely actually covered yeah and 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 yet that's usually the most important thing well it's the most important thing in terms of it's probably why people are have like gravitated towards it or fantasized about it or desire or are desirous of it and and i'm just the kind of person that like i think you know some people feel like when you as when you de- try to deconstruct things, it takes the mystique out of it. And I'm just, I'm just couldn't be more the opposite that I'm like, think like, understand yourself, understand your desires. Like that has got to be a way of getting to getting it satisfied and being, and also then being able to knowing yourself and then knowing how to communicate it to other people. And, you know, it's, I've just seen so many like for me in session, like I'll be in session with a client and, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, so flogging for you is probably just about like um, the it seems like from talking to you, it, it's about like making the rest of the world melt away. Or it seems like you really have a lot of guilt that you feel like you need, um, you know, uh, to, to feel a visceral kind of punishment for or you're really in your head and you need to do something that feels really like ballistic and physical. And I've had so many people be like huh, <laughs> this thing that I pay thousands and thousands of dollars for people to do to me or with me, I never actually asked myself what the fuck that was about. <laughs> and, you know, for some people, I'm sure that, br- I'm sure for some people that breaks the spell, mm-hmm. but I just don't, I just, by and large, I don't think that's true. It's definitely not true for me. Then it just makes me more fascinated with it. But also when you're talking about the activity, you can have, someone can have the technique down 100%, but without, without a context to it, without knowing some aspects of it and how it relates to the person. Yeah. It, it's it, cold. It, right, right. And, no heart. And, and even, if, even if that's something they're in, into, the other person's into the cold, no heart. Understanding the why is a huge thing. Like, like um, I haven't listened to it yet, but the one on high heels, I'm interested yeah. in listening to because I'm not into high heels. And mm. so I'm just interested in what, how, how is that? How do people, why, why is that? Why are people into high heels? And I'm It's excited. a good one. I'm excited. It's a really good one. So I, as soon as it came home, Saad mentioned that one first. I think that was the first one she listened to. But, um, and you know what's fun is that some of the people, so I have all kinds of people on, you know, I have people who are sort of sex educators first and foremost, like somebody like Melina Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have people who are writers like Laura Antoniou. And then I have people who are like, uh, who may do sex ed or writing or whatever, but are sort of like more primarily sex workers or, or, you know, and porn performers like James Darling, who's on the high heels one, um, or, uh, the current one is is about sex work and uh sarah patterson who's my guest is a former sex worker but now is a sex work advocate and mm-hmm. runs a nonprofit called the persist health project that um connects um people in the sex trades with with health and social services right so you know um and i had my friend zil goldstein who's also who is the clinical director of that organization persist um who is herself a nurse practitioner. I had her on to talk about naughty nurses. So she's not necessarily 
into like you know she has her all of her own perspectives on dirty kinky things and she's a nurse so you know and you know but then somebody like james talking about high heels like james uh is a trans man and he isn't necessarily into wearing high heels but he's into people who are wearing high heels and he's into worshiping them and he's just into them visually right and then you know i've had um i'm trying to think of another example um uh or you know like aislinn and Merzian wrote a book about prostate pleasure and mm-hmm. like on the episode like she didn't talk at all about her personal interest mm-hmm. in it because she like kind of has this like party line from yeah. her book but she's like so learned and yeah. like so good about talking about the sort of the physicality um of but sex and um and yeah so tons of different kinds of folks and tons of different kinds of perspectives and they're like deep dives in the subject yeah and the other nice thing is too is, is that you don't just focus on on that you uh you also talk about other things mm-hmm. too so it's not only about that thing i don't want people to think oh well i'm not in a high heel so i'm not going to listen to that episode but there are so many other things you can learn from it too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i strive to be entertaining and but it's it's, it's more, funny and it's more than just a deep dive lesson on you know all that i would, stuff. I would like to think that like people would be interested in just uh a, like an interesting conversation regardless yeah. of whether they had like a personal investment of course. in it the, the other aspect too of it is that i think it's important to again even if it's not your kink it helps to understand other people's kinks. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I also am not into everything that is a subject on, on my website. I mean, I'm into a lot yeah. of things, but, and I've done like, even if I'm not into them, I've like done them, but also honestly, I mean, even, um, you know, I had Susie Q who also is a great podcaster, um, and sex work advocate on to talk about age play and, she talks about a lot of really personal stuff on her podcast, which is about sex workers, the the whorecast. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't really talk about um, being a little. And I really actually like I learned a lot from, you know, and, and I had always been sort of like, you know, if I'm at like a like a play party or a kink weekend or I'm like somewhere, then there's like a list of munches or whatever, like littles. I'm not I'm not necessarily like. Oh, uh, teddy bears. Like I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've never, that, that has never like made my, uh, fireworks go off no. or anything like that. But then talking to Susie made me realize that I sort of had a very like limited understanding of what it meant and like from hearing what it means to her. And then all of a sudden I started to really think about like the dynamics, like in my intimate relationships and like the ways that I maybe actually already was, um, engaging in like my own certain kind of age play. And I had just like never really given myself permission yeah. to give it a name or give it a space, you know? So it's, it's helped, it's helped me a lot too. So how do you, and this is sort of a, uh, podcaster to podcaster question. Yeah. Do you, process. do you, do you talk of, do you say, Oh, I know this person. They'd be great on, Hey, what topic are you really yeah. expert in? Or is it, Hey, I really want, to do the topic of X. So I got to find someone. No, it's totally all about the people. It's, it's totally about the people and asking them what they want to do. I mean, and sometimes, um, 
and and then you know they'll suggest things and i'll i might be like they, they might suggest a list like uh ignacio rivera was on and they just had like like the longest list i know we could have talked about so many different things and then we were sitting there and i was sort of like debating also like what did i had what did i had recently like what did i think you know like and so and we settled on on squirting and that was obviously a a great choice and And uh and and same with nayland and is going to be on um Oh, a friend of your podcast as one well. Of the, one of the most amazing people in the universe. Oh my god, I love Nayland. What did you and Nayland talk about? Um, chastity. Ah, of course. And it was really great because, yeah, Nayland Same had like a list of things. And I was like, um, and he's actually my first cis male guest, um, uh, which was shocking to me because I love, I love men but i just haven't had that many on but so, but yeah and then ch- chastity was what we settled on for him you and i have a common experience that we can talk about here because i've never been able to ask anyone else this question so i'll ask you i've had i've interviewed Nalen several times yeah and i've had different sometimes afterwards i have felt that i'm pretty smart because i was having a i was holding my own in a conversation <laughs> with a smart person and then other times after the interview i thought I'm really dumb, and I barely held a conversation with this person. Um, is that just me, or is that uh, is it? It sounds like you need to have more confidence keep, keep, in yourself. Keep in mind, keep in mind, he doesn't make you feel bad. About, no, you know, no, he, he doesn't. Oh my god, he's the most jovial. Yeah, and, and, and I'm talking like, oh my god, this guy is really smart, and I mean, uh I, I'm gonna say this, and I know it's gonna sound egotistical, but. There are plenty of things in this world that intimidate me, but like intellectual sparring is not really one of them. That's just, it's not even like, I think I am so smart. It's like, I just am, I'm a a talker. You enjoy it too much to be intimidated (laughs) by it, is what you're saying, Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's that, that actually is it. It's just, it's just so fun for me. And I don't, I guess I, people don't make me, feel stupid that often for me it's and there have been several a number of guests in the almost 150 episodes there have been quite a few guests actually where i've had to say going into it look i'm an idiot when it comes to this subject so i'm going to ask you dumb questions don't be offended when i ask you these dumb questions i mean there's i don't i don't think that you're an idiot when you don't know about something but you have the nerve to ask it i mean i think it's sort of more I mean, I'm, I'm not really, I don't really even think that there are people who are, I mean, obviously there are idiots in the world, but I'm like less bothered by the idea of, of idiocy or, um, or ignorance than I am like willful ignorance and bigotry. You know what I mean? So I feel like if you're open to asking questions and that you're admitting, especially if I may, as a man, you know, like if you are willing to, you know, a lot of your guests are women. And so, you know, if you're willing to say to a woman, like, I don't know anything about like, you know, uh, like leather body bag mummification. Like, so will you please explain it to me? You've been talking to Saad again. I I don't know anything about it. I have been listening to your podcast. (laughs) Maybe you do. It was just an example. Well, I, I really, I strongly encourage people to go check it out. And there'll be a link to it on the awesome. Mass Cast here, of course. Um, 
but it's just, I just can't wait. And it's like every other week is what you're shooting uh-huh, for. Uh-huh. It's great. Yeah. And uh, I have an awesome, yeah, I have uh awesome sponsorship from Smitten Kitten that makes that possible. So that's great. That's really great. And so go to Smitten Kitten too and tell yeah, them, tell do. them about your podcast. Right? Yes. They're so great. And there's one other thing I wanted to mention. I took a lot of notes here, but we're, we're, you're just going to have to come. You, know, you have to come back. I would love to. Was, I would love to. You said you're an exhibitionist about being spanked. Yeah. So what is that? How does that? So you like, obviously you like being spanked. I love being but spanked. You like being spanked in front of an audience. I mean, I like being it. spanked any way I can get it, honey. <laughs> but I no, I, I, I do. I mean, okay. So when I, when I started out doing professional BDSM, like, I came to it as a, like, as a theatrical person and as a, like, really game person, but I, I didn't really necessarily, and as somebody who had, like, read a lot of books, but I, like, didn't necessarily know, um, that much or have had that many experiences. Um, and, um, you know, so I just really tried everything and there were some things that I would try that I would be like, this is cool. I'm glad I know how to do this. I like doing this, but it doesn't necessarily, like... Um, right. right. Um, and, but, uh, but spanking, I was just like, ding, ding, ding. Um, and I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally switched. Pretty much everything I like, I like equally as a top and a bottom. Wow. That's, that's kind of rare, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm trying to think of something that I, that I really, like as one or the other, um, that I, I actually would prefer to be tied up than to tie someone up. But anyway, that's, I could, we could talk, <laughs> you like list a bunch of fetishes and I would tell you the percentage that I like 40, to do it 30, at the top. Yeah, 70, exactly. 30, yeah. But, but, um, but I, I love spanking people. Um, and I love being spanked, uh, equally. And I love, spanking and being spanked professionally um partially because i've just you know all of my favorite clients have been spanking clients tops and bottoms mm. um and part of it is it really is just like um we just we just jive and 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 like because i'm enjoying the the spanking or whether again like whether i'm the spanker or the spanky but i also just think that it's like sometimes people who share fetishes obviously will all be different in lots of ways, but sometimes there's just like, sometimes there's just like an affinity, you know what I mean? But my spanking top clients are like all the like classiest, most respectful, like, like cool clients that I've ever had. They're really like the only clients that I've become like friends with, you know, like out that I would like go out to lunch with, like without them making them pay for (laughs) my time. They can, pick up the belt for right, lunch, right, course, but, yeah. um, but so, but so yeah. And then I, uh, and then at play really honestly at play parties, I just, I really love voyeuring. I really love being there. Like I really love, I'm, I'm rarely the kind of person that goes to like, uh, like a play weekend or, 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 you know, a play party. Um, and it's like, okay, so I have a date at seven yeah. and then I have a date to, to be a schoolgirl, And then I have a date at, at nine to be a puppy. And mm-hmm. then I have, you know, to do this like service thing at 11, you know, I'm just, I'm just almost never that guy. I want to go with my friends and I want to like be around all of that, like 
vitality, you know, and like all of these people like getting off and doing things and be like, Ooh, that, and Ooh, look at that. Like, um, but then at some point in the night, I like want to beat the fucking shit out of somebody or get the (laughs) shit beat out of me. And I'm like a total masochist on my ass more than I am anywhere else. Like I kind of am a masochist, like in other places in my body, but like my ass, I'm just like, I cannot get enough. And I feel like an idiot asking, but have you done a spanking episode yet? No, you're not an idiot. I haven't. I sort of, I have to do it. I know. I'm, I, um, I feel like who it would really have to be somebody I mean, it's kind of what I'm most well known for. That's what I'm saying. It's someone who's equally as passionate and then go. Who is the, who is my equal in, in like spanking obsession? I don't know. Maybe someone, someone will have to email. Maybe they can listen to this. They'll go, I am. And then you guys can. I'm sure I'm just like blanking on some friend of mine right now, but I, it's sort of, yeah, I haven't done it yet. Almost. I think because it's like maybe actually the one that I feel like the most vulnerable and like intimate talking about. Um, so there you go. Maybe maybe auction off that episode for charity or something. That's or for the charity of my student loans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Um, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh my and God, thanks I'm for so glad me. that you, you've got you, good luck on the podcast. Thank you. Keep doing it and can't wait uh, to hear your next episode. Yeah. Good luck on yours. They can catch up. They can, they can start downloading right now. They can grab all the back. Yeah. Why are people into that.com? Right. Got a fancy website a designed website. by my friend, yep. by Justin Levesque did a great job. Theme song by pine from Oakland, California. That's very good. Oh, one other thing too. You mentioned something earlier and, um, uh, Loudmouth perverts. Oh yeah, punk band. Oh, great idea. Okay, yeah. Oh, right. it's too on the nose, though. No, you think so? <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe. Swedish love. Do you play? Punk. Do you do you play any instruments? I used to play the drums. Oh, cool. Me too. There you go. See, yes. I knew there was something cool about you. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah that was it. That it was took it. us this yep. long to figure out yep. what it was. Gemini we could or... both be the drummers. It would be like the Grateful Dead. Thanks to Tina again. Her. Uh, podcast is wirepeopleintothat.com and uh, thanks for listening we'll talk to you later bye bye